Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 128 Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in our ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be happy, and it shall go well with you. Your husband will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus will all be blessed are those who fear the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy, and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it, or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a full lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and the one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and inhabit and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. So also David speaks of the blessedness of those to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord will not reckon sin. Is this blessedness then pronounced only on the circumcised or also on the uncircumcised? We say faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it reckoned to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the ancestor of all who believe without being circumcised and who thus have righteousness reckoned to them, and likewise the ancestor of the circumcised who are not only circumcised but who also follow the example of the faith that our ancestor Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law 
but through the righteousness of faith. Good morning and welcome to the second Tuesday of Lent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 128, which I read uh, with the feminine pronoun, both for God and for the the protagonist. Uh, I did that because my co-host, I I don't always uh, make it as clear and uh, straightforward about whether or not they want to kind of play with the pronouns or not. So uh, I started doing that for some of my readings. And then uh, we also had a reading from Isaiah 65 and Romans 4. And Romans is kind of a continuation of the uh, of what we've been getting from Paul and his uh, defense of faith over works. Um, but the reading from Isaiah was actually really important and kind of stuck with me to to hear it. Um, Isaiah is um, one of the prophetic books and also takes the name from the prophet of that same name, even though it's likely that a lot of it was kind of recorded and then composed and collected all together after his death. Um, But in it, we have uh, the image, the very last verse, verse 25, the image that's typically used for the peaceable kingdom. It's kind of this like theme uh, that gets picked up by artists throughout the the ages. Um, Another one is like, I'll just give you an example, the um, Salvador Mundi, the savior of the world is typically Jesus um, with his feet upon the earth and his arms not, well, yeah, they're typically actually out, uh, but there's no cross. And that's like the Salvador Mundi uh, kind of theme or archetype. And the Peaceful Kingdom is one of those. Um, it appears elsewhere besides Isaiah 25, once like Mark, and then um, uh, Isaiah's probably the most popular, but I know it appears elsewhere. But basically the idea is what does the hereafter look like? What is the natural setup um, if uh, if predation um, and competition and scarcity is the rule of this world we live in now with fallibility and corruption running amok, what does it look like to not have that? And so it's this apocalyptic um, uh, kind of literature or or niche like how do we understand what it is that this next thing is going to look like what is it you know authors and uh, others have have uh, used apocalyptic literature to conjecture what it is that this this um, hereafter or the afterlife or heaven on earth whatever you want to call it what does it look like and one of them um, that it certainly must look something like is this peaceable kingdom where predator and prey lay down beside one another. In other passages, it talks about a child laying at the foot of the adder or the asp or, you know, some kind of snake. And the snake, of course, doesn't attack the baby and there's no worry. And here we have the wolves and the lambs laying to get a feeding together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Um, And what I always take from this as someone who wants to think about the military more deeply than we typically do outside the kind of binaries of hero or monster um, or good or bad, you know, as though the military is homogenous. 
Um, one of the things that sticks out to me is the predators, and I don't like the, the, the metaphor analogy, but some of us may think of like the sheepdogs and the wolves. Um, there's some anxiety, uh, I think, with within some kind of groups of the military, like, I don't think it's pride, but there's a certain uh, reluctance to to uh, imagine what a nonviolent military might look like, or nonviolent service, I suppose. Um, because our weapons really are kind of, you know, it's, it's what, what else, what are we if we don't have our weapons is kind of this, this difficult, you know, uh, problem that we face. If we want to be Christian soldiers, well, doesn't the military just kill people? And the, the, the reality is that no, it does not. Um, and not all soldiers are uh, go to combat. Not all people uh, who go to combat even kill. Um, and the the image of the peaceable kingdom, I think, reminds us that there's there are some things that will change, but whatever it is that does change um, doesn't make those things less of the thing they already are. So let me maybe rephrase that. If what is essential to being a wolf or a lion, if what is essential to being a predator is not actually what you eat or clearly how you act, then there's something else that makes a wolf or a lion a wolf or a lion. And after this consummation, this great moment when God reconciles the world to itself and to God, Wolves will still be wolves, and lions will still be lions, and soldiers will still be soldiers, but there will be something different about them, and that something different has never been what's essential to them being them the whole time. And I know that sounds complicated, um, but that seems to be what passages like these are hoping to remind us of. If you're the you know soldier of fortune type, and you've got like four different rifles because you're into like historic you know, muzzle-loading firearms or something, then that doesn't mean you have to give them up or, or give up the idea of them in order to live fully into the Christian life of faith as it has been lived out through the centuries. Um, if you're the kind of soldier of fortune firearm collector that, like, goes off to war and, like, starts finding people to kill, we may have a problem. If you go out of your way... Uh, or, or don't use proper restraint, even if you don't go out of your way and you, you refuse to use proper restraint, then there might be a problem. Something about what is so important to that that story, that, that character, that's not what it is. Something, uh, the, the thing that makes soldiers soldiers or the things that make sheepdogs sheepdogs or something, um, we've, we've done a poor job of indicating and, and naming what that is. Um, and so I think that some of the, uh, some of the military, moderate military, I think can take heart in the fact that there's something that will remain. If you're proud of your service, um, reasonably so, um, then take heart that all of that doesn't wash away. All of it in and of itself is not the thing that makes you or the thing that makes it the thing like the military is something is about something more than just the 
the the injury or the violence that we that we uh, inflict sometimes. Um, and I don't want to make it too much longer, but there's this principle of something I call the Martinian difference. Martin of Tours, who's the the patron saint of uh, the Hospitallers and the first chaplain, patron of chaplains and soldiers, um, he was happily happy to serve in the equivalent of the Secret Service. His point, his function, was to protect the life of Caesar. Um, for the most part, Praetorian guards never went to battle. They, I mean, the cavalry did, and there are different like distinctions about which did which, but whatever. Um, Martin, uh, we do know that he spent several years in the military without a whole lot of uh, moral quandary. He did, he was baptized, and there was this big moment, but he remained in after that. And it wasn't until he, uh, his unit um, was preparing to go to the Battle of Strasbourg in 356, I think, um, that he said, oh, no, no, I can do all this other stuff, but I can't do that. That 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 he was going to do was going to go to battle. All the other stuff that he was doing as a member of the military was protecting Caesar's life and following him around and making him feel good and blah, 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 blah. The Martinian difference, when he when he stood before Caesar Julian, he said, I'm a soldier of Christ. He did not say, I can know, I'm not a soldier, or I've never been a soldier. I have all these regrets about being a soldier. He says, I am the soldier of Christ, not of Caesar. I, can, I, I will not fight. In the Latin, it was uh, militis, or uh, m- uh, milis, uh, milis Christi, I'm a soldier of Christ. I will not fight, pugnare. So to serve, or to milis, from the, the root mil for thousand or order, um, that, is some, that is what makes the military the military. The order, the structure, the, the, the discipline. Um, but pugnare, fighting, uh, as Christians, we don't use the, the weapons that can inflict harm against flesh and blood, but that doesn't mean we don't fight. We do fight. We're all soldiers of Christ. We do fight a spiritual battle against the, the powers and principalities, the authority and the dark powers in this world. Um, and so all of this is to say that there, there, there's something that is still good in the military, um, and that has always been good, even if some of it, some of the, what we do for and in the military may compromise our, our belief system or our morals. And it's a very tricky situation to try and balance um, where that line is and, and when we cross it. And if so, how do we come back from having crossed it? Um, but we shouldn't make the mistake of assuming, A, that the, the military or um, those people, whether they're wolves or sheepdogs or lions or soldiers or veterans, all those people, well, they're not coming with us into this hereafter because we know we know uh, what they did and we know that it keeps them blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's just simply not true. Lions and wolves are there, but something else non-essential has drifted away. There's teeth, maybe they grew uh, molars and are eating, they're clearly eating with the lambs, the lion eats straw, that doesn't mean they're not lions. That doesn't mean they're not wolves. It doesn't mean we're no longer soldiers. 
means that the thing that makes us soldiers, the thing that makes us a lion or a wolf or a sheepdog, um, is something other than the violence that 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 might be associated with us or with um, whatever it is that we think may be necessary in this fallen world. So I hope that's a message of hope uh, to those of us um, who struggle with what it means to be a Christian soldier or a Christian veteran. But also I hope that it's a challenge for those of us who do think that we do know what it means to be a Christian soldier um, because so often that, that, um, that line between good and bad, um, uh, us and them, is not black and white, but it, it's, you know, it's a whole scale from you know, grayscale or, or even like, uh, all, you know, I don't even know how many colors of the rainbow there are, probably a lot. But uh, I hope that we think more deeply about this uh, question now and, and always as we go forward. A prayer for peace from the Book of Common Prayer. Eternal God, in whose perfect kingdom no sword is drawn but the sword of righteousness, no strength known but the strength of love, so mightily spread abroad your spirit that all peoples may be gathered under the banner of the Prince of Peace, as children of one Father, to whom be dominion and glory, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.